Welcome to the Strata Leadership Show, a podcast designed to help you gain clarity, lead effectively, and drive results for yourself, your team, and your organization. I'm your host, Dr. Nathan Miller. Well, today on the Strata Leadership Show, we have someone that I do not know well, and I'm looking forward to getting to know her through this time. Uh, We've had conversations in the past, and she is one of those people that everybody wants to get to know her, and so you kind of have to get in line. And today is my chance to spend time with Cynthia Allen. Cynthia is the Chief Diversity and Equity Officer for the City of Norman. For those that are not familiar with Norman, Oklahoma, Norman is an incredible city that is also the home of the University of Oklahoma, but it's a city that is really doing some aggressive things to make life better for everybody who lives in Norman, making it a place that is really known for its inclusion. But Cynthia is leading the charge on that. Her background is really, really impressive. She had 17 years at a Fortune 9 global company, leading local teams of 25 people through this company that was serving 11,000 at the time. She has unbelievable recognitions that are well-deserved. Cynthia is someone that when I ask my friends, who is someone that is making a difference that we need to have on the show, they said Cynthia Allen. And so Cynthia, welcome to the Strata Leadership Show. Thank you so much, Dr. Miller. What an honor. And and thank you for that kind introduction for sure. It's an honor to be here. So you are occupying a new role at an incredibly important time when we are asking ourselves questions about what does diversity and and equity look like moving forward. And that's where you are now. But if I'm looking at somebody now, I'm kind of seeing an echo perhaps of, of their past. Tell us about your journey. And if we could start at the beginning, tell us about where you grew up and what life was like for you as a kid. Yeah, thank you. Well, you're right. This is an exciting time for sure for the city of Norman, for our community, but certainly for myself as well, as this is an opportunity to really live out, I think, to your point, the journey and the learnings that have come through growing up and growing up in in professional realms and personal growth and so forth. To be able to put all of those things together and be here and serve is just a true honor. And so I'm so excited and take that responsibility very um, personally. So uh, I grew up in South Oklahoma City. I came from Chihuahua, Mexico with my family at the age of seven. And so, yes, Oklahoma became home and is home. It's interesting through growing up, looking back, it's so just, again, interesting looking back to the various challenges that were real, were happening, were day to day. But at the moment, they didn't feel quite like challenges. It was just the day. Things such as education and, well, let's let's just start at language. So coming as a seven-year-old and being uh, not so familiar with the English language and having to learn it and having to pick it up and so forth. That was very interesting through a great support system, education system. My parents, within that first year, I was able to thrive and just really dove into reading and just really becoming just immersed and comfortable with learning and language and just academics and so forth. And so Within that year, just everything transformed where I was able to go through that second grade 
and just soaking it all in. And from third grade on, it was just lists of honor roll mentions, lists of different accolades, lists just on and on. And to think that it started with a moment of pressure of walking into a classroom and not knowing how to communicate with the teacher or the students, you know, my peers, my classmates. And so it's these things of overcoming. Fast forward again, South Oklahoma City is vibrant. It's very rich in culture and diversity and so forth. But it also has its challenges of crime and of different insecurities uh, as a community. And so, you know, navigating through those things and being able to build a resiliency or a level of uh, knowledge and how to navigate. Again, we're just day-to-day things, but again, through my, my mother's just engagement and encouraging my sister and I to become involved in community engagement, organizations, volunteerism, et cetera. We were able to broaden our scope. And I really can think to a couple of organizations that I think really were that pivotal just instrument to my life. And so Young Life being one of those, the other one being the Latino Community Development Agency where both of those organizations provided those opportunities for growth and scope and engagement and really tapping into my leadership abilities and my abilities to influence a community and people. So it's all just amazing to be able to look back and see the full journey and just to be able to, to again, serve. So for those listening in, she mentioned the Latino Community Development Agency, and I would point out one of the great things in life is seeing, having the ability to serve a place that had open doors for you. And she's now serving on the board of that group, which is pretty exciting to see how that comes full circle. But I want to go back to that seven-year-old who's coming into a new country, who is learning a new culture, a new language, all the things that are a part of that unbelievably challenging. And you, you talked about your mother trying to encourage you. But if I go back and I look at that time, and I think a lot of people, when they hit that kind of obstacle, it, it just doesn't work. And I'm not saying it, it always worked for you either. I mean, you always have moments where it's better than, you know, some are better than others uh, sometimes. But what was it that allowed you to make your way forward? What, what was it about where you were growing up or who you were growing up with that allowed you not to give up, that helped you learn to be resilient? Yeah, so I think to that seven-year-old and think about the question you just posed, I think it's absolutely the example of seeing my parents, my mother work so hard, imagining because there wasn't too much conversation about the struggles and the efforts that were placed in order for us to have an opportunity in Oklahoma and the United States. But it's just that role model exposure of parents really working hard for their families and a future and goals. So an example of that, and we're really rising up to challenges. In Chihuahua, I completed school through the first grade. And so we had English lessons in school, but first grade English lessons were super basic. But, you know, it was enough to where I could come in and be a little confused, but then again, also feel a little, a little prepared maybe. 
And so I remember clearly one of those early uh, visits to school here in, in Oklahoma, second grade. And my mother was talking to, the, to my teacher about how I could count to 100. And so, you know, second grade, you should be able to, but again, it's English, it's the language, it's a different place. And I just remember hearing them talk about this and thinking, I don't think I've told you or have proven that I've, you know, counted 200 before. So like, where's this coming from? But of course I had to step up to that and say, yes, I can and prove my way and make sure I count to a hundred. So, you know, thinking to that seven-year-old and thinking to your question of how did you make your way forward? It really, I think, was about rising to challenges and just being courageous and being able to rise. Well, I don't mean to embarrass you, but for the listeners, in 2014, you, you received the Hispanic Association on Corporate Responsibilities Young Hispanic Corporate Achiever Award. You um, are recognized as uh, among the 50 making a difference uh, as an honoree there by the journal record in 2016. You're a graduate and lifetime member of the Leadership Oklahoma class uh, of 31. You, you know, recently, you were named one of the Achievers Under 40 uh, Award for Oklahoma. And I say this because you know, that is, an, <laughs> you're clearly one of the emerging leaders for in, in Oklahoma. And I think about how little time has actually passed from the time that you walked into that classroom to going through high school, to going to University of Oklahoma and where you are today. And I, and I just think it's a very unusual source of inspiration. And I know it sounds odd to, to brag on yourself or the or the people who helped you, but I, I just think that this is an example that I, I'm just so intrigued by. So you go through elementary school. What were you like in high school? You know, that was a that was also another real life changing moment. So going through schooling, my neighborhood school track, et cetera, would have kept me in that in that kind of bubble, in that South Oklahoma City bubble. However, as I was moving into high school, I was given the opportunity to apply for uh, what they called at that point a magnet school. And so the school was definitely not in my neighborhood. It was actually across town, but it had a focus. It, it was a little bit more challenging per se, et cetera. And so again, through my mother's encouragement, I went for it. I applied, I interviewed. And so I ended up going to a completely different high school than my track would have naturally provided. If I would have stayed in that same neighborhood school track, I would have maintained with being in the environment of maybe, I don't know, definitely 75% plus Hispanic. So things that I was familiar with, things that I knew, that's what my middle school was like. That's what my neighborhood streets were like. Everything would have kind of stayed the same. So by Moving into this different school and track, I ended up going to Northeast Academy, which was probably flipped that, and it was about 75% plus black. So it was a completely different environment. And although, you know, I had different exposures to various races throughout my schooling and so forth, and even personal life, it was so different being in this environment 
just day to day with students, with classmates that were my age, living through the same things, et cetera. And so I got to learn so much. I got to, to just, again, just learn by being exposed, by being in a different system, bubble, you know, ecosystem. Out of that came my best friend, which to this day, she and I, in fact, today's my birthday. So she <laughs> sent me a text early this morning. I just can't imagine if I hadn't shifted to this opportunity, if I hadn't said yes. Again, completely across town, a completely different environment, but it was so enriching. And so who I was during high school really was was molded by that, by that, again, rising to the challenge of thriving in a different environment and, and learning and being adaptable. And so building relationships and it was so powerful and I'm really grateful for that. So you finish high school and now you're contemplating what to do next and you choose the University of Oklahoma. When you think about going on to that university experience and what you were hoping for and everything else, what did college mean to you? So from very, very early on, Dr. Miller, it was all about education. And so my family, my mother just really pushed education. And so to me, it was that next level of, of achievement, of ability to thrive, to be able to be purposeful or productive. And so it was exciting. It was exciting to be also the first um, in my family to attend a university. It was also daunting, but again, through various opportunities, I just took a challenge and was open to learning. My mother, she was supportive, um, but didn't know really how to support or what to do. But it was really exciting, and I'm really grateful for that. In fact, you know, what's funny is that uh, my parents somehow were just very OU kind of centric Sooner fans, even in their younger ages. Because I later found a photo of me as like a little two-year-old girl. And my mom had a shirt that said Sooner Mom, which was funny because at that point, I don't know if even Oklahoma or living in Oklahoma was on their radar. So it's just a funny little tidbit. That is a nice little moment in history to be able to find that that connection was, uh, was already being made or at least at some level. So you start your career, you, you have, um, you know, you're working in one of America's great companies, and then you recently transitioned to this new role. And I would like to talk about that uh, a little bit because you're in a new role and a lot of jobs, if you looked at it and said, okay, if we were successful, we would do this. And you'd have these metrics that were pretty straightforward. You're in an area where the metrics are somewhat there, but you're also working on attitudes and you're working on really advocating for a path of diversity and equity. What made you say yes to that job? Because there is no easy way to do that job well, even if it's clearly important and valuable. What made you say yes to that job? Yeah. So, you know, in order to answer that, I have to go back to the time that I had at, at AT&T, Fortune 9 global company, all the way through, whether we're talking about seven-year-old me, high school, or during my time professionally, I'm so thankful for just 
the blessings of opportunity and learning um, that have really come together as they should. And so my time at at and was so special because over 17 years, I had the chance to grow professionally in the way of learning how to, how to really influence people in a way that helps them succeed. And that's really been, I think, the core of my leadership style is that servant leadership where, you know, I want my team to grow. I want my team to, you know, professional development opportunities to take them, to challenge themselves, to really see beyond what they believe is it. And so there's so many moments throughout those 17 years where I was able to see that and and really can think back to individuals where we had conversations or we had mentoring sessions where we were able to really see outcomes in their professional careers. And a lot of that was through diversity and inclusion efforts and through my leadership in the employee resource group arena at AT AT&T, which is phenomenal. It's one of the best. And so growing local engagement is kind of where I started and starting up our employee resource groups locally, then took on some national roles and built our brand, built our footprint, and then even international as our company is, of course, a global company. But in all of those roles, in all of those opportunities, there were two things that were true in every situation is that it's about people. So it's really about helping them become better and believe in their opportunities. And then also identifying how to connect that and connect them to the business a little closer. So there's such a value add when that individual could kind of see how they were a cog in the wheel and how even if, if they were, I don't know, in finance, how their impact and their results affected our, our operations or ourselves and how that impacts the HR system and our employee engagement and retention. And so how all of this is just really, it's an interconnected kind of, it's a system that if we can identify ways to empower our employees to see the value they bring then it just really makes everything just run a little bit more agile, more effective. So bringing that element of just people, business advancement, and adding the elements of people and culture and, you know, engagement, empowerment that diversity and equity also brings, it just results in in positive outcomes for everyone. And so one of the things that I'm really focused on and have a genuine interest to to build out here is making sure that all of our team understands that diversity, equity, and inclusion improves and impacts everyone. It's not just for people of color. It's not just for disabled members. It's not just for LGBTQ. It's for absolutely everyone. And so, and, and that takes work, it takes patience, but I think it, it also, for me, I balance it out with being realistic to the fact that it's people. So it takes time and it takes patience, but my key is consistency 
And so we're going to do this. It's going to, uh, you're going to see the results because we're going to be consistent and committed. If I could give you a magic wand and you could uh, use that magic wand for the city of Norman. And I know you're talking about employees that work for the city, but also just the community of Norman. And you could use that magic wand to help create the kind of place that you have in mind where you you have this mindset of uh, valuing each other and things like that. Help me understand what Norman would look like if I gave you that magic wand and said, this is the model city for this. Is there anything that just kind of surfaces that you think you hope that you'll be able to see on a consistent basis in your lifetime because of the efforts being made in this arena? Yeah, well, magic wands are sure <laughs> interesting, but I think if there is something that you know could be just a key point that if we could just make this happen would take us to another level, it may be the ability to really create representation of communities. Because at the end of the day, it's really about learning and listening, but it's hard to do if you don't have the source of information at the table. And so I would love to see our communities, whether internally as a workforce or a community, be able to feel empowered to show their cultural selves, like the, the meaning behind who they are, what they do, etc. At the city of Norman, we're known for being the city of festivals. And so I'm so excited that in a couple of weeks, we'll host our first city of Norman co-sponsored Juneteenth Festival. And so to be able to celebrate different aspects of our community is just one step of helping to show that representation. I think where we kind of get lost sometimes is in just in the way that we want to be heard, maybe, that creates walls. And so it's hard to grow and listen when walls are up. But again, I think it's all about our What's the intention behind things? And if the intention is to have a stronger community, a vibrant community where people feel they can start a business, where they can be a homeowner, where they can send their kids to school and the community is just thriving, then that's where we want to be. And so if we can have representation that allows for listening, for learning, for dialogue, then that'll definitely move things along. Cynthia, thank you so much for the time today. I've got one last question, but your schedule is very full and giving us time on your birthday is even all the more meaningful. And so just, uh, I so appreciate your time and your willingness to spend some time talking about your experiences. One question that I'd just be interested in getting your insights on, when you think about the challenges facing leaders today, if you were thinking, you know, it's probably, you know, if, if I had 50 questions, not uh, challenges, and if I could sift that down into just just one that comes to mind right now, what is one of the biggest challenges you think leaders are facing today that they would need to contemplate being able to be effective? You know, so as you as you ask that question, like different different opportunities come to mind, but I think the first one is. It's very recent. So yesterday I had the opportunity to attend an Oklahoma City Rotary Club luncheon where the main guest speaker, Mr. Parish Lansana, spoke on the Tulsa race massacres. 
100th anniversary. And it was such a wonderful discussion. But one of the things that he said that really stuck with me was he said, you can't see what you don't look at. And so, you know, I think that's really, as leaders, we have to be willing to step into into new territories. Uh, we do that already when, when launching a business, when launching new ventures, new lines, et cetera. We know how to take risks, but we have to be able to do that as well in the people aspect. And so, you know, one of the things too that growing up professionally that I always also had clear in my mind that an organization's most important asset is its people. And so we have to be able to, as leaders, look at things that are, that maybe don't impact you directly, that maybe aren't your day to day, but by looking, by seeing, then maybe that creates opportunities for improvements in areas that really could make a difference. Well, thank you again for the time. You know, that whole idea of self-awareness leads to other awareness of the more you're aware of who you are as a person, as a leader, the more you can be aware of what other people are wrestling with and what other people are going through. And I appreciate very much that thought of being intentional about focus, of being willing to look at things that might be uncomfortable, but can also provide great opportunities for growth. And I would just say throughout your lifetime, you have modeled that, being willing to take on opportunities that might have been, you know, challenging or uncomfortable, but they led to open doors for things that you're doing today. So Cynthia, happy birthday, and thank you for being a part of this show. Thank you so much, Dr. Miller. It's an honor, and thank you for the leadership that you bring as well. Well, I appreciate that. Well, for our listeners, thank you for being a part of our time with the Strata Leadership Show. We believe that it's a responsibility that all leaders have to set the pace, to, to set the tone. That today, whether it be in a one-on-one -on -one interaction or with a group or whatever it may be, as a leader, being intentional about setting the tone, setting the pace, allows things to happen that would not happen otherwise. So thank you for being a leader. Don't give up. You're making a difference. Look forward to hearing and spending time with you at our next Strata Leadership Show. Have a great day.